Unhinged No Hope, the podcast. I am a theater actress, punks. And we're back. Hello, we are back. No no hope, the podcast. That is Scott Schneider's dulcet tones that you hear. I don't know if I'd use the word dulcet, but, but thank you. And I am Tim Miller. And we are here with our uh, two-part episode. Twofer. Twofer. It's a free. <laughs> two for two, it's two, exactly. You get, uh, you get as much bury as you can handle. Well, actually, that's probably not true. No, we're being you probably. Very tame. You probably can't handle all the bury we're going <laughs> to give you. Let's be real, folks. Uh, that voice is, of course, Brandy Burry. We are welcoming her back for a second episode on No Hope the Podcast. And we talked about well, we, so many things. We we crossed decades. We, we cro- uh, and we we did cross decades. But when you start with like, what was your first experience in musical theater? It, it it's bound to get yeah. ugly. Yeah, and we also talked about um, uh, Brandy's one favorite. of Brandy's favorite musicals, yeah. a musical that she loves, The Secret Garden. We did. Which I am excited to revisit because I'm, it's been a really long I'm gonna time listen, since I saw that I'm going to listen to the fuck out of that score <laughs> later today. Just Good. let me just say. Um, I feel really embarrassed that I claimed Lily's Eyes was a quartet. It is most certainly not, if I may do a quick rewind on that. Rewind! Um... But I feel a little less embarrassed because there is an actual quartet in the score, a song called Quartet, by the characters of Archibald, Lily, Neville, and Rose. And I just listened to it during the break, and it it is, in fact, one of the shining moments of the score. And very much, you know, all the different, like, voices uh, sort of layered on top of each other, you know, the, the sort of, like, uh, you know, West Side Story, like, tonight sort of situation. Um, yeah, and then, if that's not enough, I found the Daisy Egan tweet that I was uh, that I was that I was remembering, and it might. No, wait a second, just to remind me, Daisy Egan was the girl who played not Lily, no, that played the Lily. lead. She yes, Mary. Is it Mary? Yes, it is so Mary. Played Mary. Yes, because Lily was dead. Lily's Lily's dead. dead. Okay. And she's an 11-year-old actor that won yeah. the Tony for the original yeah. Broadway production. The youngest female yeah. to the ever youngest win female. The and you were right, okay. Brandy, because I think I watched the Tony Award perform- performance. And in addition mm-hmm. to listening to her on on recording, I was like, wow. I mean, she was like really poised, like just really? seems like much older than she actually was. Yeah. And so... Um, she is now, as we said in the last episode, she is now 41. So she's also a Gen X, <laughs> Just, right? A Gen, officially uh, she would be right a Gen on X. the cusp. Right okay, on the cusp. Because okay. I'm 
43. Oh, that just, it, that's like a knife in the heart every time I say something like that out loud. Uh, it gets easier. <laughs> does it? Does I don't it? know. I'm getting ready I to stopped, say something like, big. Stopped caring. It's like yeah. once I cross that four threshold, yeah. it's like, oh, my, you know, quick aside, my, uh, uh, I, I was like home a couple of years ago and, and my immediate family had like a little bit of a surprise birthday thing for me and my uh, nephews tried to put on the cake the number of you know the appropriate number of candles and there wasn't enough room and they were basically making fun of me like uncle scott is old <laughs> so yeah i'll take your word for it hopefully it'll get easier um so without further ado daisy okay. egan's tweet from july 31st 2012 I have a job interview tomorrow for a temp job packaging human breast milk. I also have a Tony Award. Wow. Oh wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Daisy. Like, Thank that you for keeping it real. <laughs> right? I was like, every, I loved like everything about that tweet. It's just like sums up in a nutshell, like the highs and lows the highs of a career. Where do you go from right? being an 11-year-old? Right. I mean, I think it's kind of probably more of a curse than a blessing in most Mm. situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's really. I I mean, Kirsten Dunst is probably a an exception, right? Didn't she? She was the one who won the Oscar. Was it? Did she? I mean, she obviously didn't she win an Oscar for the piano? No, no. You're thinking of Anna Paquin, right? Yes. Oh, who also yes was a very oh. young yeah, but they both obviously oh, well, became both, successful. They adult both have huge yeah, but actors. they both have really successful careers. So I guess yeah. that's those are not good examples. Um, <laughs> we'll we like, think of some other ones. Pick, pick pretty much <laughs> any other former child actor. I was like, I think you picked the two like bright spots that survived. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. Anyway, bringing it back. Bringing it, bringing back. it all back. We had a rewind. We'll we'll do some more. I'm sure there will be many more that we will need to do on our next episode but um we last were before we jumped into musical theater talk we were we were really just getting into Mm -hmm. some of the sort of explosion uh that was happening for you brandy in dc uh when you got the wire and i would just love to hear about some of how that changed your life and you know i mean it's 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 funny because it's like all of these fits and starts that we're talking about, right? It's like right. this huge thing. You're on HBO. And yeah, talk to well, us about that. If I if I may just say how I got the role was so... Oh, yeah. Um, what, what's the word? Where you, where, where it, it, it's so unlikely mm-hmm. in all of my stories. Um, I didn't have an agent. I didn't move to New York and get an agent. I I chose to go to Washington, D.C., and then while I was there, I really actively pursued uh, auditioning, and I would go to these general auditions for Actors' Equity. They would have them at Arena Stage once a year, and essentially... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are an equity actor, which is part of the union, they have to legally do these um, cattle calls is what they're called. Yep. Right. And you would go because they have to say that they're at least trying to see actors, even though in and Washington, welcome other DC, people and welcome, yeah, welcome into other people fold, into yeah, yeah right, yes, right. because it was a very small world. I mean, oh, I was yeah. I mean, in DC insul- it's very five insulated. years, and the same actors. 
did I, I remember writing down and saying if I if I am able to make it in, as an actor, I am going to limit myself to doing I think I said three plays a year because I was going to see a lot of theater in DC and it was the same players and I I think it I I saw a lot of the same kind of the roles were being the same. And I thought these right. people don't have time to rejuvenate themselves. Mm, right. I mean, of course they're going to take the job after job, after job, after job. Yeah. Cause but it's paying it's the lame. bills it's, yeah. and supporting it's, their families. It's a, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, but as an actor, I can see how it's there. It's, it's boring. They're they're like, they're doing the same thing, but also how could they possibly keep learning and changing if they don't have any time off, if they're just doing the same thing and it does become work. So I remember saying that like in my dream world, I would make $100,000 a year. That was it. I didn't want to make any more because I knew rich people in DC and I saw how their life having a lot of money was mm. not a, a good thing. <laughs> they just had more things and more people to deal with. Yeah. And so yeah, I, thought, I just I just read, um, I mean, this is not an, an, a new study or whatever, but just that $75,000 is, like is sort of the mark uh, yeah. that mm-hmm. once you get past that, your life, your quality of life, yeah. um, in terms of the things better. that you actually right. need in yep. order to have a, a fruitful existence right. and, a, and a positive um, a positive worldview and have your friends and do the things that you want to do, it, it doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, like it does money necessarily make you happier. More. Totally, yeah. and money is yeah. absolutely crucial to a certain point, and absolutely. then beyond that, yeah, it's almost Absol- a detriment. And, and then the more, more, more you anything. have, the more you end up spending. Yeah, in, in, in not in a good way, but it's like um, because I'm working so much, I end up spending a, you know, you know and, and I I don't keep track of it. It's I mean, not that I'm making a lot of money right now. I'm just saying I can see how that becomes a problem. For sure. Right. And then I would see these people who had em- employees and different houses and and uh, a nightmare. Oh, you well, know, it I thought definitely I don't... complicates your life. Like yeah. if you achieve that level of wealth. And so <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking that and thinking I would like to do three roles a year because, you know, that's saved like a two month or mm. two month or three month project and then you have a, a month to like take a breath and be an artist rejuvenate yourself travel go see other people get out of the the uh, cocoon but anyway back to the wire um i was doing these cattle call auditions um i think i you know did one at arena stage and i you just have a minute and a half i think and you have to sign up God. a week a week before you get your the time slot and then you go the day of your, and you go in, there's hundreds of people uh, all day. It's like an eight hour thing. Right, right. And you go in with 10 other people in your time slot and you watch their auditions. And when they sit down next to you in the chair, you get up and you say, hi, my name is Brandy Burry. I'm, you know, I don't know, doing my two monologues. Thank you very much. And they have your headshot. And that is how I got in some um, filing cabinet at Pat Moran Casting in Baltimore, Maryland, that they pulled it out to call me up on my cell phone at the time, at least a year later. And and they called me up and said, hey, you know, would you like to come in for an audition? And I'd been there before for, I mean, commercial auditions. I did a furniture commercial. I mean, this is lowbrow not even union stuff. This is, I, I wasn't a SAG actor. I was not a right. Screen Actors Guild. I was right. only an equity actor. Um, you know, so, and and it could have been some intern 
because they wouldn't even bring their like Pat Moran wasn't sitting in there. Hmm. They just bring someone has to come to show and they keep the headshots. And I think I actually did, if you can believe this, a Latin monologue where I take a tortilla. Oh, I remember that. You well. remember what is that? What is that play? Um, oh my gosh. I mean, it's been so long since I've done, I can't even believe Roosters. Roosters. Yes. But yes, how yes, inappropriate. Yes, yes. I mean, like yes. talk about yes. like yes. taking over you know, I'm as white as white can be. Right, right, yeah. Appropriation, right? Wait, so <laughs> there's like again, nine other actors in the room with you when you're yes, doing and, these? Yes, and it's on the stage. Like, it's the, you oh. don't even see the people in the back. You're on a big, like, stage or... I see. This was an arena, I remember. That arena, okay. Um, and so you don't even see the people out in the thing, but, you, but, you, but you're sitting up there, yeah. How, much time, so, how much time do you get for your a monologues? A minute and a half. Oh, four, so, so I did 45 second. One was, I think I did a Shakespeare yeah. or Sam Shepard. And I wanted, and, and, they, and I had to cut them down. Sure, um, yeah. But bringing up Vince Cardinal again, our teacher from Ohio University, he helped me find a Shakespeare monologue, Marina from Pericles, one that wasn't done. I think he even helped me like put it, put it together because I don't think it's a monologue you'd find in a book. Um, and... And we were very specific, like it's as small as possible, but you make three choices. Mm-hmm. You know, like you start on the ground and you end up standing up. Like it's like the stupidest things. Or And so I did one with a dialect. So it was kind of funny and saucy. Um, and, and so they're like, oh, okay, so she's got, you know, she's got chops or whatever. Who knows? But that's how I, and it was, and I had no idea. I'd never seen The Wire, did not have HBO, did not have cable. Because first of all, I was a real artist I didn't have time to sit around watching the TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was like, well, I am worse. I was <laughs> like reading expensive. novels and I never really wanted to be it. Like TV wasn't something I aspired yeah. to because I was like a theater actor. Right. I wanted to yeah. pound the pavement. I wanted to be on the boards. I wanted to be an actor that way. So so it wasn't something that I was um craving or in and and I had no idea what the role was. I hadn't okay. and I didn't get scripts beforehand. Oh. Um, I think they said it was an attorney. I didn't have a suit. So I just wore a button-down shirt because that was the only thing I had. And when I walked into the audition, it was it was like 20 women sitting in this casting area in Baltimore. So I had to drive from D.C. in my own car to Baltimore, and, and they all had suits on. I mean, I was just like clearly <laughs> not right in my mind. And they were all a little bit older, mm. um, which – they were probably the right age, and right, of mm. course, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, <laughs> and you know, and so I did nothing to. I wasn't afraid, and I didn't. And they, they, it's because I had to read the script. It wasn't like something I could memorize and get into in too much into my head. Um, did the audition, and I actually left the audition to go pick up Matthew, Matthew, my With French boy, Matthew, um, at the airport. He was coming that that. So I, I had no like. <laughs> investment all i was thinking Wait, was for I'd the get... first time like that was the I, time yep, yep oh wow and i remember oh, wow. like thinking i just need to get my french boy like thanks <laughs> like I'm your out. priorities <laughs> were like, not yeah, like, let me book I'm this out. hbo I'm, i've got yeah and and and, and it could have been a one-off i mean it could have yeah. been i didn't even I, I i was up for like an at&t commercial <laughs> prior to that and that would have been more lucrative. Oh, sure. And, like, I got yeah. called back three times and they were, it was one of those, I, you know, was wearing glasses and there was three characters and they were going to, it was going to be 
um, a recurring kind of kind of yep. like the Geico commercials or the one the uh, progressive. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Some something like that. Yeah. And we've had friends that have made oh, yeah. Boku like, bucks on yeah, commercials, lots right? Yeah. Dinero. Yeah. And I remember thinking, if I get this AT and T hmm. commercial, this will change my life, mm-hmm. and it didn't come through. And there you go. So I was a bum, but and it was it was a long time. I was going to say, and how much time was it between that initial months, and right? And we, yeah, it was, was it weeks, weeks or months? If not, what it was weeks before I even got a call, and it was so strange for them because I didn't have an agent. Oh, so they right. literally yeah. called Calling. my phone. Yeah, when we were with you in DC, and and yes. some you know assistant yes. person. Yes. Yeah. Just yes. said hi. We they they want to hire you, and I was like, absolutely sure. You know, sign me up. Didn't ask rates. Didn't ask. <laughs> I, and they said, okay, well, we'll let you know. We have your phone number. Is it like we will call you when um, we're ready to shoot? And I'm like, okay. Or, you know, went to send you information and everything. And I was like, great, thank you. Then months went by. I didn't know who to call. I. I I was like, maybe like it's didn't have any didn't information have like because I was an contact. idiot. You know, yeah. I got like I had no context. I had no. Um, I I probably could have called Pat Moran's casting, mm, obviously, yeah. but I was also like I didn't want to. It was kind of like in my in where I was in my life. I was like, it'll come, if it'll either come or it won't. And until I get the call, yeah. I don't care. I'm not gonna fret about it. I'm, not, I'm just going to keep, and at that time I was like exercising a lot. And I really thought I'm just going to be prepared. I'm going to be an actor. And and when I get the call, I'll be ready. So months went by and people were asking me, you know, well, when's of it going to, when? And I was like, I have no idea, honestly. And then it was, um, okay. Then they started, then, then the FedEx man, they finally called and said, okay, you know, you're shooting next week. And I'm thinking, okay. And they're going to, and we're going to send you uh, a script and okay, and so it comes in the mail, and next thing, and that's when I realized that, that because they would um, update the uh, pages, right? You know, yeah. if they if they rewrote one word on one page, I would get a new one in the mail, like the next day, <laughs> and a diff- And th- this is funny now because now it's all online. Yeah, right. Course, I mean, I right. just recently shot that episode uh, uh, for something, and it was. It just they just come every like I got ten emails, and I'm like, oh, so I. Uh, but at that time. I really got to know the FedEx man. I mean, he would come and be like, new script. Once they knew that I was shooting on a television show, they it, it got a little weird, um, and I didn't like that. But Did you get up but, to yeah. speed oh. on the wire, like, in this in-between time? Were you like, oh, I'm going to start? No, no. So I, I never watched it. The one <laughs> thing was I did date a guy um, that had been on the wire. Uh, he was on season one or two, okay. but I had never seen him. On the wire, I, mm-hmm. I, I, we were at the full uh, at the Folger. Again, I'm like a single woman out uh, acting. Um, I went to the Folger for a Shakespeare audition, and I felt like I did pretty good, uh, but didn't hear it back. And as I was coming out of that audition, this actor, uh, Teddy was his name, uh, was standing there, like big voice and part of the dc scene and and just was like hi and he was like waiting for me he's like saw me walk in and invited me and i think we saw a play at at, um kennedy center that evening he was like 
we should hang out. And I was like, yes, we should. Um, <laughs> As a matter of fact. And, and then that was that. And, then, and, and somehow in our conversations, he's like, oh, I, I've done a stint on The Wire. And I'm like, oh, I've heard. And, and so clearly as an actor in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. people had done extra work. It was people were, it was a lucrative um but I know I didn't. I didn't want to know. I mean, I, again, I don't know if that's. It's probably terrible. But when I went in for the fitting and the headshots, I, I, I just thought that my job was to, like, I got the role for a reason, mm-hmm. and my job was to do the role, not to. I, I mean, it's kind of. I, I right. have gotten yeah. in arguments with people about this because people will say, "Oh, I bet you watch. You know, you watch TV, and 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 agents have told me, you know, now go home and." Watch, watch, uh, Law and Order. See what you know. See and get, and that, that just would make me mad. I'm like, I am a master at my craft, and that's like watching a football <laughs> game and thinking that that will make you a football player. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like all these people that are like shouting at the TV, and that they, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, no, no, no. I like actors don't sit around. I mean, now actually, ironically, I do because it's the medium has changed for me. But as a theater actor, I wasn't sitting around watching other people act. I was staying in shape. I was reading a lot of books. I was trying to culture my and cultivate myself as a human being. Well, you so, were seeing more live theater. You were I've seeing people on stage, exactly, right? Exactly. But you weren't necessarily. Well, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, that used to be. I used to think television. Yeah, you. It was. It was something fun and and it was less you know you didn't learn something from it and i don't think obviously that's not that's not true it depended on what you were watching and the wire was was groundbreaking and game-changing too in how it told stories and the cast and the size of the ensemble and i mean all of these things the the reality of it i mean you know Right, it so was... I'd read about homicide and and, and and the prior work that David Simon had done, and I did my research in that sense, but I, again, I didn't have HBO. I know that sounds so silly, but I didn't think, oh, I should go buy this now. I just, <laughs> I didn't have a TV. I, I just thought it was, um, so I would have had to buy cable, <laughs> and I would right. have had to, and so I was just preparing myself more as um, understanding the world and 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 researching and and people were so, and I also wanted to be a peer when I walked in the room. I mean, I, and I I can tell you uh, most of those actors weren't watching. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Their yes. show, they were well, acting because you know? you're exactly you're not. It, yeah. There's a there's a huge difference between being a fan and being. A participant or being, you know, yeah. that, and that it was interesting. We that have with Blue Man a lot. Like we would have these people that would know the show back and they could oh. probably perform the show, yeah. but they were not good at, I mean, not everyone, but for the most part, they weren't actually good at doing it because there was this like, I don't know, sacred cow sort of thing that people had right. um, for sure about, I you know, it's a it's, much healthier approach to just walk into something, you know. With an open right, mind and like you and said, focus on your job. piece of the puzzle. But yeah, when you like, yeah, to be a fan and hold it to this higher, like I think that could just get into your head too much. And and to be honest, they didn't. They weren't. Sh- um, I couldn't have seen the episode. Um, every season was completely different. Right. That was mm-hmm. what made it so right. groundbreaking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it would have been. I. It wasn't that I could watch it and say, "Oh, here's where my storyline comes in." Right. Right. Right, because uh, so, season two was about the docs, and then my season was a totally different uh, storyline. So, hmm. 
So this is, I mean, I lo- I'm so happy that you told that story because I, the, <laughs> I actually wrote this question down. Like, how would you overall describe the way that you landed work and or the way that you chose work or the way that work chose you? Like, do you have any, in retrospect, looking yeah. back over all of these various things that happened, like, how would you characterize that? I feel that for me, the one thing that, kept me moving forward, even though I had zero control, but was that I always declared myself as an actor. I always uh, put it out there. I I was a singer. Um, I was an actor. Uh, And people thought, oh, how interesting. But I know so many actors that when they, unless they were doing a show, they didn't necessarily feel comfortable pronouncing that mm, and, right. and I and I really did put myself out there you know I can always be like oh I got lucky but I was going to those cattle call auditions yeah I was yeah. putting myself through these I, I was researching I I did get American theater magazine and I read every play and I um I went uh James had um a his parents had given us um season tickets to I think Wooly Mammoth Theater Company okay and so I was around someone else who appreciated theater and we went to see a show and and I would try to always, you know, be at the right place at the right time, you know, be be in the lobby. And actually there was a gentleman that ran worked at Woolly Mammoth, uh, Michael Kiriaglu is his name, and he said, Wait, I I saw you in Complete Female Stage Beauty in Shepherdstown. Uh, because Shepherdstown's very close to D.C. And it had a good reputation of New American Theater. And Woolly Mammoth Theater Company was doing New American Theater. Right. And this person who happened to be in charge of opening night tickets, um, getting people in the seats, for said, I'm going to put you on our opening night ticket list because you, I want you to come and be a part of this. And so from there, I would be invited. And he was also part of the film, the D.C. film society that showed you know first screenings of films and he would say i want you to come with me you know come join so we became friends and he lived in the same so i was definitely putting myself out there and saying i want a job i i did do a reading here and a reading there it was hard because there were a couple actors that were already in dc established that i would probably have played those roles. Right. And they, they always there was a type that was filled. Yes. And I couldn't help being a bitter, you know. Uh and, and and it was ironic because when Actress came out and I did go to DC for the Doc Film Festival there and it was being screened on the screens and I was treated like royalty and it was, it was wonderful to go back to DC with this documentary that I had, you know, created with a director all on, a, on our own accord. Uh, that's when one of the directors had actually came and said, you never really worked for us, did you, when you were here? And I said, nope. You know, and he said, we should bring you back. We should get you in now. And I'm like, yeah, but it's so ironic. And then yes. it's yeah, ironic <laughs> because it took the wire. And, and and once I was on the wire, people would say, oh, now she's trying to do theater. or so. Like it was this thing where I was a TV actress mm. when I would get a theater role. And I'm like, no, I'm a theater actress punks you know <laughs> I, I don't even want to do that's so ironic that it, it took me funny. getting a television show yeah. to become valuable in the theater 
but it was also it, it was a little bit snarky like she's right. a yeah. tv right. actor trying to do theater and you, like, I, you i always read so similar stories that you get pigeonholed for like the first thing that like yeah that know, other that people, people know you like, as know you uh from you from and it's like no <laughs> right i mean that was just some random i love the role and there's a great story on um at um that i i always think of at the premiere of the wire which i wasn't even invited to the new york premiere of the first season even though i was in it long story <laughs> And uh, one of the other fellow actors realized that I wasn't invited. And he was like, I was invited to the Baltimore one. So I went there. It was nice. Um, but the New York premiere, I wasn't even invited to, even though I was, I'm, you know, I'm having an affair with McNulty and, you know, and <laughs> Carcetti and what more do I need to do, folks? <laughs> so one of the f- other actors invited me to go with him as his date. And we were sitting way in the back. Um, ironically, because even though he had been in the show the whole time, it, well, he wasn't Idris and he wasn't McNulty. Yeah, right. And when we and and all of the women that were on the red carpet that had nothing to do with the show, but had, that had come all dressed up and were getting the pictures and and by date was like, go out there, this is your time, go. And I was like, well, I have no desire to do this because it really was overwhelming, you know, and. By the second year I did it, I stood there, I got the pictures, and it was fun. But it was also just how you can feel so isolated, even when you're involved with television. Wow. Even when you're a yeah. part of it, you there's a pecking order yeah. that, and it, it seems, and, and I, uh, David Simon's girlfriend at the time, now his wife, is a wonderful mystery writer, and so she has her own novels and her own life. And at the premiere, she said, "Oh, you're the local hire." You're, oh. you're, and I said, "Oh, uh, yeah." You know, I, I, I didn't really yeah. know what that meant. And she said, "I'm not. I'm, I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't tell you this, but I watched the auditions with David. You know, they and he's and she said, you know, that we had tons of auditions for that role, and from London, New York, L.A. I had no idea." That it was, they were, you know, they had actively, they'd, yeah. Actively, it was, a, it was a big pool. It was a big pool. And she said that they kept going past you. You know, they would be like, eh, you know, not sure because they just had like normal. And she finally said, go with that actress. You guys, you clearly like her. There's something about her. And she said, she also said, she's the only one that's not law and order. Like she's the mm. only one mm. that was not doing yeah. the attorney. And so ironically, what the agents were telling me to do, and I would have never, if I was in New York, yeah. I'm a one of one of thousands of women, five, four, bur- you know, brunette, not right. even particularly, a tr- you know, I don't have anything going for me in the sense I'm not a triple threat. I'm not, I would have been lost in those and, and. I got the role because I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't <laughs> yeah, it, that's <laughs> completely yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but you didn't know any better. But at the same time, you like you said, you were you were putting yourself out there. You were persistent. You were labeling yourself 
I'm an actor and I'm mm-hmm. and you went in there with the same confidence that well probably in some ways more confidence than right. than the other 40 women that were all in suits that that were waiting out in that, that office like, you know what they right. were auditioning for and, and, and I think to be that's, scared <laughs> I mean that's right. the, that's the crazy thing and it, it, it was when we spoke with Don um who obviously you know as well yeah. that one of the things that we were so it was like she her persistence mm-hmm. um was and her her like seeking of opportunities it was just like like, this is exactly what people tell you to do, but I think most people don't do. Like, I didn't have any of that fucking persistence when I went to LA. I didn't, mm. I didn't, I didn't have that drive. I was, I was but very I much like. I would have had it in New York. I, right, right, I right. knew, I knew that I needed to, to be in a place that I find creative, that I feel safe. Right. I know that about myself. And I remember when I said I was moving to DC. I remember all of you, rightfully so, were like, what are you going to do in D.C.? I mean, if you want to be an actor, Hmm. I mean, to that point, I thought I might want to stay in Shepherdstown because I was like, I love the country. I... And then I realized, no, I will die here. Like, there, there's no way I can act... Like, you have to be in a place where you can pursue your career. You can't just, you know, move to a small town and hope that it happens and hope that it finds you. Yeah. Right. But I knew that I needed to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And I'm still that way. I knew that I barely lived in New York city because it, I, that, and then I moved up to beak in New York and I love being here because this is where I, I can, I know my community and I can be a bigger fish in a smaller pond and I can make it. And, and lo and behold, yeah. I moved next to a documentary yeah. filmmaker. Right. Who, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. It's just fucking and, and I and I and, and, and I'm never pursuing it in the sense of like right now I'm not pursuing acting. I'm never but I because I don't the thing that people don't tell you about being an actor is that it it's not unless you're famous you're in a desperate position. It mm, yeah. you know and, and when you go when you're in college it's not a desperate position. I mean, you're paying for them to give you roles. So, yeah, I mean, right, yeah. you know, it's if you're a creative an acting position. major, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to get a role. And so that's amazing and that experience. But well, I, I don't like that about being an actor. I, and I still don't. That's why I don't pursue it. Because I don't like walking into a room where I am, need something from someone else. I want it to be mutual. I want to be like, right. what can you... More of a collaboration than, than well, I think something that, out of that leads, Yes, and that is a great um, that's a great jumping off point because I think that uh, Scott and I, I mean, this is how we, I mean, this is how we started working together, mm-hmm. right? We said we 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 sent our little musical off to the New York Fringe Festival, and they said no, right. and <laughs> we said, you know what, we're just gonna do this on our own, and and that became. I mean, it's funny because I think it, it is a blessing and a curse. Like we became very insulated in the fact that we were able to do the work that we wanted to do. We were able to work with people that we loved and people that we respected and obviously super talented people throughout all of these things. But we kind of stopped that, right, In a, in a, for a long time anyway, of, of like trying to get anyone else interested. We were just like, you know, we can do this. We can do this ourselves. Um and and that started with um, with we talked about already with clusterfuck one, mm-hmm. which you were in. Yes, clusterfuck two. I don't remember if you were in clusterfuck two actually. I, I I think I feel like I was in all of them in some iteration, but that could have just been because 
I came to see it. I mean, who knows? But you all, but when did you- I always you, felt part of it, part of the collaboration. The, right, 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 right. And then we did Mischief, which of course you were in. I haven't been this breathless for a while. I don't know if I should hide. But then again, there's no reason to pretend. What you give is what you get, no matter how you look at it. We'll get into mischief. We'll have a hit or two. You'll do me. I promise I'll do you. Then before this life is through, we're gonna both disappear. You know we both disappear. We both disappear from here. Mischief. Um, and I and I think you were in Bloom, but I can't remember. Yes. Uh, you were definitely <laughs> in the road to nowhere, which was our well, five was year Angola. mark. That was dose. That was dose. Yeah. So that so you did the second reading of dose, but you still lived in DC then. That's why I was I was trying to figure yep. out when was yep. the when was what year was the move the the move that you that, and that Casey really moved into oh the apartment that was when I was on, on the wire in between episodes three and four because at that I mean at that point I remember being in the van with uh, Aiden Gillen who I was working with. Um, and he, he just said, you know, dude, you need to move to New York. Like, you know, if you're not this, what are you doing? Like we're, right. we're done here. We're, uh, and, and, and it was true. It, it was, it, it felt like I couldn't not move there at this point. If right. I landed, right. I, I did everything I set out to do in DC and I landed myself on an HBO series by myself. Like now we can, um, now we have to step up. And at that point, Casey was looking for a roommate. Yeah. And so- I, What gosh, year was that? Do you remember? Well, was when, it like 2005? I, I think I was my 30th birthday. I was still living in DC, wasn't I? Because I came and you took me to the Met, Scott. I did. We you, went to see yes. um, uh, Die Valkyrie, part of the ring cycle, for which is, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's like- the, the sort of the epic it is like it's a three three part sort of mega opera uh and it was yeah that that particular opera is about five and a half hours long did you yeah. see the entire thing oh, yes yeah. i mean i yeah. slept through most of it because we, we, <laughs> we drank and it was you know it was so overwhelming i mean you bought me tim Allmiller for my 30th birthday you bought me a rabbit wrap I remember. That. Remember this, which I cannot find. It still breaks my heart. I, you know, clearly I left it some in some amazing place when I was traveling the world. It's it it's left. hysterical because you know my little screensaver. Like it puts all. It's like all of the photos I've ever taken mm. on, except oh, obviously yeah. when I started using my phone. And that picture of you the in the little Ludlow apartment with the rap comes up like all the time. And I remember that day so well and when we, we, went we went to, to get Aldo it. And, bought, and bought these like four or five inch high heels yes, that, yes. I, that poor Scott had to walk around with me in the city. Like well, you had a we, car I think picked we, me I, up. I was like, I think I did. Yeah. And then we had a, yes. we drank. Went to a five and a half hour opera, napped a bit, woke yeah. up. There was a ring of fire. I saw the ending. There was flames. And there was a fire. ring of fire like, happening on the I, stage. I was moved. I was moved. Uh, we were both left the opera, uh, left the house, and we're like, I feel like entire weeks just passed. Like while we were in there, like it was like that, like epic. I never then, sat through something like that. Oh, it was. It was. I mean, it was a, insane and amazing. Uh, and then I think we like 
partied our faces off after yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and and um at some point, so flight happened mm. in oh, 2009. So you well, were living in New with York. Stella, so this should be able to help with us. Stella? Move. Yep. You were? Wait, <gasps> During gosh. flight? Oh no. Okay. Henry? That was Henry, wasn't it? Yeah, that was 14 okay. years ago. Okay, 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 no. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah 2009, yeah, yeah. that's when he was born. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Wait, but no. I was shooting on the wire on then, too, because I was pregnant when I was shooting season four, so it must have been the same time. Okay, I think that was 2009. Yeah, it was is, definitely 2009. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. So yeah. Flight was the first time that No Hope got into, well, that something original of our work got into the Fringe Festival. And that role was written, obviously, uh, with you, for you, and with you. Uh, we knew that you were going to play the role. Um, that was such a fun play to work on. I mean, it was... it was. And Todd Lawson was a dream. Todd Lawson. What a wonderful Great. actor he is. Mm-hmm. And I still love that play. I still love that play. Um, and we did that in 2009. And well, then... Can I say how grateful I was to you? I mean, this is what... I mean, these collaborations are so important. I mean, there were years where I didn't work, but there you were writing a play that you were said, I knew you were going to do the role. I mean, how that's how actors get jobs. I mean, and when I told you I couldn't do it because I was pregnant, I thought, oh, goodness. You said, okay, I'll write it in. You wrote the play. (laughs) You made the character pregnant, which had nothing to do with anything that originally had the play. And the irony was I wasn't, I never really showed. You did. Like true, I, true. I know, you really did not. I, I looked <laughs> like kind of thick, you know. I look oh. like I do now. Um, but <laughs> but that time I had a Please. baby in there. Um, and so we had to put padding. We had to yes. use padding. <laughs> oh, yes. my God, that is hilarious. <laughs> yes. And so we Altered did not even had to put it in the show. But yeah. I'm so happy because I just wrote the sequel to that play like this it, over the in the pandemic uh, in April. And if I hadn't done that, then the whole second half wouldn't exist because wow. it's all the second other the, her wife. That's what that whole thing is about is like her realizing she's going to be a mother, too. Anyway, can you do the um, quick elevator speech for the listeners uh, uh, synopsis of the play? Oh, the elevator speech synopsis. Wait, Brandy does it? Or me? No, no, just no, you know, either it. of you. Just so uh, so everyone knows what yeah. is what is flight? Yeah. What is the play about? It's a it's a two person play. It's a one act and it's two people uh, that are stuck in mm-hmm. Chicago's O'Hare Airport on the evening of Thanksgiving. And at first, I think it's kind of written to make you think there might be a little romantic comedy coming out of it. Uh, And then it ends up being something that is a little ambiguous, but definitely much, much darker than that. Expectations are subverted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, it, and Todd was a great a- mm. actor for that because he's got this, um, you know, gentleman um, persona. Like you could, he's like an everyman guy, but also could turn really dark. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Very. Nice. Yeah. He had a likability about him that it was difficult to believe that he could possibly be evil, but at the same time, he was a good enough actor that made you made you question it. And it, we also got really fucking great reviews. This is so funny because, you know, the first review that we ever got was on NewYorkTheater.com for Dose, which was really bad. And Flight was the, that review on NewYorkTheater.com, which sadly 
NewYorkTheater.com doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> no. so I don't. We no. don't have that review. So I don't oh, think no. I ever downloaded it. Of course you did. Um, and it like, was a fucking. It's out there. I did find the. I did review. find the dose pan though. I found that. Yeah, I had yeah. like a hard copy. Well, yeah, so. I think somehow like yeah, but yeah. I don't think I ever uh, oh, no. downloaded or made a uh, mm. made a PDF of that of that of that video, uh, review. Anyway, uh, no, that was bummer. amazing. And then we did. I think a highlight for all of us. Uh, we, we did the 10th anniversary oh No Hope concert at Joe's Pub, which I, was pulling I, the highlight plug. Highlight of my life. I, I don't think, well, it was, it was a big weekend. Yeah, it was, it was a, a big, big weekend. weekend. Yeah. I'm headed for Nashville. I got my keyboard in the back. I had quite a few before I flew. But I got the tunes. I got the melody. I got a little harmony, too. So roll on highway, roll on, move on to the desolation is all that's left for me. Roll on highway, roll on, it's all gone, simple fascination is all that's left for me. I left my husband in my favorite heels, I said goodbye and drove off. I don't even think we actually talked. I think we were all no. I, I no. think scattered to the winds dealing scattered with to the, the winds. insanity I think, of that weekend. I, I don't even know if I saw you. Yeah. I mean the number of people in to... that audience that we that we knew and some people that we hadn't seen forever, including Matthew. Matthew. I'm walking up the stairs of Joe's uh, of, of the public. Yeah, the of the public yeah. theater. Yeah. Yes. And there is my French boy. Matthew. But not even Matthew, not even knowing. God, he just keeps coming back, doesn't he, in, in our in our story. <laughs> And I, and he's like, hi, Brandy. Like, how are you? And then Casey's like, oh my god, wow! And I was so hot that day. I was, you know, we were yeah. on fire, I getting mean, ready to yeah. perform. Yeah. Uh, but well. yes, so Justin Vivian Bond told me that I should call um, Tilda's agent, and they said. I should just take all the jobs that she doesn't want because I look exactly <laughs> like her. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, I also mean, it was stunning. Til- I was very, I was flattered, of course, yeah. because Tilda is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, what a great person to be likened to. Yeah. So we we in addition to that, like we then um, we worked we worked on this. Was was your solo show before that? Ah, uh, or was yes. it after that? It was I want to say. That. Because Henry was two, or Henry was a Henry existed hmm. for my solo show. So, like as we were sort of putting that together, I already knew this to be true of you, just from our personal relationship, and you know, sharing influences and our lives and everything. But so, sort of similar to me and Tim, um, I considered you to have like a really wide appreciation of music. You know, just like and in terms of selecting that playlist, it's like you were sort of cherry picking from like all over the map, like and that just like really impressed me, you know, and you, you were able to really just sort of sort of pick some like left field gems. Like I definitely didn't even know Joan Armatrading before you picked that song. So I definitely feel like yeah. you were a gateway to me for that yeah. artist. So I mean I, if I could be a gateway to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was Love and Affection is the song that yes, we did. That's, that's the song such that we an did. amazing song. What a beautiful, beautiful song. With friends, I still feel so insecure. But little darling, I believe you could help me a lot. 
Just take my hand and lead me where you will. No conversation, no wave goodnight. Just bring me love, just make love with affection. Sing me another love song, but this time with a little dedication. Sing it, lover. Ooh, ooh. Cause you know that's what I like, lover. Ooh, ooh. Once more with feeling. Give me love, give me love, give me love. Love with affection. Sing me another love song, but this time with a little dedication. I think I texted you that I just got that album yes. from the Mystic vinyl. Yes. And I did not know that that song was on that album oh. because they had a couple Joan Armitrading uh records and so I, I it wasn't I until I got home that I was like, oh my god, oh my all god, oh my the god. Time. I mean, yeah. I listened to her climbing the mountain. Mm. She And the thing about me is I, I may have, I appreciate you saying that I have a wide range, but I listen to the same things over and over. I mean, I I collect and then I keep. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm not very broad actually, but the ones that I, uh, you know, Nina Simone, uh, Joan Armitrading, Janice Ian, uh, these women. Patty mostly. Larkin. Patty, Patty Larkin, Larkin, yeah. I am a huge. I feel I mean, like you got me into Patty Larkin too. Oh, me too. Yeah, so, yeah. I have never heard sweet, it. Sweet and honey and in the rock and Patty Griffith too, right? Patty Griffin, Patty Griffith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so are there's, these? There's, there's Nancy Griffith. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Patty Griffin. <laughs> yeah. So many. Oh, right, Griffin. Right. But I would, um, you know, there and and I have songs like I I think we all have playlists in our lives, but I just I the ones I got to choose were the ones the songs that you know are. Um, you know, the story of our lives, right? The ones that you keep coming back. And when I was re- um, researching Joan Armitrading, Love and Affection, mm-hmm. there's a bass singer on the oh, recording yeah. that yeah. says, just yeah. give me yeah. love. Give, give me love. Really. <laughs> I worked with that performer, and you're going to have to look it up on a rewind because I'm, I'm, I don't want to mess up his name. I can't believe I, but I didn't think about this ahead of time. Um, on the Wire. Really? What? The, the singer that was yes, on that recording, the bass. Yes, and he is known for musical theater. Wow. And he's a big, he's a big character in oh, yeah. The Wire. Oh, my but God. But had I known that I was working Don't with him, me. that he was, he's on this recording yeah. with Joan Armitrading, and he's the bass singer that's like, just give me love. I, I, I'm, And all of that, that's when I feel the magic. That's, I'm so honored um, to have some sort of connection with these groundbreaking musicians. I mean, think of her. Think of Joan Armitrading in, in a world where she was up there, you know, playing her heart out mm-hmm. and writing these songs and doing uh, – these are the artists I, w- I would like to emulate. And even with The Wire, thinking of all the people that I um, – Clarence Clemens, which was uh, Bruce Springsteen's saxophone yep. player. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and Steve Earle another musician I adore, was on The Wire. Um, And the writers that I really respect that were also working on the show um, that are also mystery writers and and, um, that documentary film people, you know, there's so many aspects of that's when it feels, you know, cool. And, Mm -hmm. um, And to this day, everything, every time I turn NPR on or 
we joke about it because, you know, I'm like, oh, I know that person. I know that person. I know this person. And Stella recently was like, oh, God, mom. Like, and I said, well, (laughs) you're like, she's like, we know. I know. She, she actually said something like, yeah, they're all still like working, you know? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, which, but I'm like, and then and then I go off on the tangent of yeah. like yes because they're men and, <laughs> right. and, and then you know she's got to hear my whole political yeah, my yeah, Me Too right, movement and, right. because you don't see a lot of the women but and just that day after I said that and she kind of jokingly we were watching New Girl which is a it's a series that was out a long time ago but we're watching it now hmm. and it's super funny it's a sitcom. And I, the, one of the executive producers I worked with, Donna Carey, I, I read, did a screenplay with him. I'm like, oh, I know him. Oh, that's so exciting. And on that episode, she's like, I feel like I'm in an episode of The Wire. <laughs> 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 and and my, she was just like, Stella was like, oh. <laughs> oh inescapable. Inescapable, Stella. Inescapable. Yeah. Like and every, every novel I read, it's everywhere. Well, and, yeah. You it's- know? So some of the artists that you were just talking about, you said like once you, once you know their work, you sort of claim them. You know, they're sort of home to you. Um, so uh, have you found yourself listening to a lot of those same artists during like you know these past eleven months of, of you know sort of quarantining? Yes, I, I tend to not get to listen to a lot of music because I'm with my children yeah. and I'm working uh, from home full time and. I I tend to just put on news or something in the background so it's so but when I do go outside and go for a walk is when I listen to music and I have always uh picked the same kind of I it must be the RPMs or something of the songs um but What I, what I, is the most recent discovery? Do you have a a you know a, a, a person new. or group that you well, I mean, going but it could be for you. Like, could there be something no, new for the you? Cure. Okay. I mean, the okay. cure is amazing. Yeah. Like, late, uh, going back to them and just right. the, 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 um, and Amy McDonald, you introduced me oh, to yeah. her. I, I think she's just, it's just fun. It's, uh, it gets me up the mountain. Um, and a couple of the songs, Run. I love Run. Yeah, and that's a good now song. I've gotten the kids listening to it. And so Henry plays it on, uh, the, guitar and the ukulele and i hear them singing it which is, makes me happy did she um, keep making music i actually haven't followed up on I her really i haven't, don't know um, i need to i need to look her up well that's why i feel like i'm so behind because i really don't it, people have to hand me music you know right, I, I want right. and, and and you used to be that person for me um and so kate nash remember when oh yeah introduced yes. me to her yeah. yes love, yeah, she was love great that. she's great um I always listen to Joan Armatrading. Um, always listen to Janice Ian. Um, what's and we get to see it? Joan Armatrading and Janice Ian at oh, the City Winery, which was it was pretty fantastic for both. I mean, they were they were very very memorable moments. Mm-hmm. I was going to throw out the Chicks, by the way. I was going to throw out that that oh. new that, oh, yeah. new, that album. new album. Yeah. I love that new album. I do it's good. too. It's very and that's good. Kind of, at least that's something new that I can say that because mm-hmm. otherwise I'm I'm. Um, but the uh, Juliana Calm Down. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, that's a great I'm one. Just like, that I'm like, okay, that's going to go on repeat until yeah. I get to like the second <laughs> turn because it gets me <laughs> right. up the mountain. Yeah. That's a good um, one. And, oh, yeah. So let's see. What, what are some embarrassing? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, 
have gotten a little bit away from the folky. I love Ava Cassidy. I don't think that's necessarily embarrassing. Yeah, it's not embarrassing. But do you know Ava Cassidy? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't. Oh, I do. Yeah. Check Songbird. And she passed away at a very young age uh, of cancer. So it's. Yeah, um, I think my mother was like into her. She's okay, amazing for yoga. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like she's when you're. When I ha- um, she does um, a cover of Songbird and Fields of Gold. Um, uh, hmm. I love uh, anything Stevie Nicks. Oh, I mean, of course. None of the, these are not embarrassing at all. Yeah, these are these are. I mean, oh, all Damien like, Rice. This is not embarrassing. Damien, Damien Rice, Rice isn't embarrassing. Isn't Damien he amazing? Rice is great. He's amazing. Great. He's so great. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have anything embarrassing. You don't have anything like oh, you know. Well, no. I'll, like, or, I'll tell you. I'll or, get you started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, give like, me started. You want to say embarrassing? Like, because yeah. uh, I've been listening to a lot of like older music. You know, or music, you know, that I had an affinity for, you know, just when I was a younger person. Like, for some reason, I've been wanting to listen to older things, like, Mm -hmm. during quarantine, uh, the newer things. And some of these things have held up over time, I found. You know, I've listened to a lot of, like, old Tory albums and some old Fiona Apple. But I I, I took Jules' first album for a spin recently, and... It has not held up quite as well. <laughs> so. There's a couple of songs that have, uh, yeah. A couple, so like a couple, I would consider that to be pretty embarrassing. I also listen to the very best of Enya. So <laughs> yes, oh, I used to fucking love Enya. Do you know who else I used to love is um, yeah. Enigma? Do you remember? Enigma. Enigma. I think so. Oh. Is it sort of a, in the same? category as Enya sort of new yes, age except it's it's new agey but it's yeah. more like sex yeah. new agey it's oh, more yeah. like right. you know like I used to with love. a little edge kind of do remember enigma i mean i guess it could be worse it's not you know john tesh live at the red rocks but uh but uh yeah see i have i mean i feel like i've i've missed i somehow dodged all those bullets because i wasn't cool (laughs) back then you know what i mean you may you you were smart you were i I, I just avoided yeah i'm like brandy carlisle adele amy (laughs) winehouse i mean these aren't older but when i was younger yeah she's amazing and Um, when I was younger, I was really with the skateboard crowd. I mean, mm. where we really worked at being knowledgeable about good music with, yeah. you know, New Order. And my first concert was with my boyfriend. I was in eighth grade. He was a sophomore or junior in high okay. school. Danzig. What? From the <laughs> that Misfits. is an amazing first concert. Oh, my God. Mine and was Glenn amazing. Danzig. This is like my idea oh of a band. Oh my god! And mine is embarrassing. Uh, it's well, Dave Matthews it. Band, oh, and that's I was embarrassing. And I was drunk on Boone's Farm. Mine was <laughs> and, heart and like passed out in the in the in the lawn. Like, like yeah. you know, I got it was kicked like out of a seats, Red Hot basically. Chili Peppers concert when what? I was oh. underage. <laughs> Okay, that's. I, I didn't see it because the, uh, my friends. It was down in Cleveland, like the Agora or somewhere like that. There was a couple, and I was with an older crowd. My 
boyfriend at the, my boyfriend yeah. had a Harley Davidson uh, because his dad had them. Taking I mean, his a dad Harley worked on the bikes, red a real like bumpers. sportster, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, I could have gone like if to know where these people are now. I I don't know. I don't know where I would have <laughs> got landed in the world. Um, but I, I was with the older people. I, I'm, they probably weren't even of age too. I don't know. But someone handed me a plastic a, a plastic cup with beer in it. Yeah. And I wasn't a big drinker at the time. It wasn't something. But I think they just bought it and gave it to me. And the right. second Here they put it in my hand, some guy wow. came in. And I was sitting at the diner for two hours. And we had no cell phones. So I couldn't even tell my boyfriend that I'd gotten kicked out because he was like with his friends. It was a group of us and I was with the girls and he was with the guys. And so I just sat there and kind of waited for the concert to end so I could, you know, find him. Oh, oh my um, gosh. Did you ever see the Red Hot Chili Peppers again? No. I mean, I saw them come out on the stage and he was in diapers. They were all in diapers. They were doing their like, that was that phase. <laughs> that phase. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember. And I really, honestly, I didn't really listen to them. Yeah. You know, them, yeah. but I listened to that type of music. I was more into like Violent Femmes. I saw the Violent mm. Femmes. I love the Violent Femmes. Um, and Erasure. I loved Erasure. I had oh, big wow. posters on my wall. And I saw Sinead O'Connor. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. My friend oh. had a, an older sister that lived in Cleveland. So in high school, her sister was already in her mid-20s and living. And, and she liked Brian Ferry and, you know, it, right, Tori Amos. Right, yeah, right, Tori yeah, Amos. Right. And so she, we, uh, we got on that bandwagon and would go to these concerts. You know, it's hard to think like we were what 16 years old, yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's um it's it, this is uh, <laughs> you're talking about all of these artists and then talking about um no hope uh songs <laughs> is a is a is a little bit of a leap, but you have sung so many of our songs over I the years songs. and debuted so many of our songs over the years and we're very excited because when we started talking about what we were going to do this season we were like of our of the podcast we're like what can you know we kind of we did a very formulaic situation where we talked about musicals a lot obviously it, that it's it's been super fun to talk about musicals um, but we also have that other side of, of mm-hmm. not just writing you know musical theater but also writing more like pop folk uh, whatever categories those songs fall into and i said well we need like if this if this podcast is is also about not just our opinions but also like the fact that we've been writing for all of these years like we should write some stuff right Mm. so um it's exciting that we wrote this song that we're getting we're going to release uh with this episode and we're going to you know we'll obviously you'll get to hear a little snippet right now but um but can you talk to us a little bit about like you you and and your family yeah. have been working on hard on my sleeve which is the name of the song um and you've you've been yeah what has that been like well again it's a it's a dream for me to have two writers and friends tell me that they're going to write a song for me. (laughs) And I can't tell you how much um, it's lifted our spirits in the house to have all of a sudden, I have work to do, right? And this is the most important thing for any artist is to be able to collaborate. And this is what you do. 
Tim. This is what you you call me and say, I want you to be on my podcast. And uh, oh, and I'm going to write a song for you and I'll send it over to you. Okay. So I get lyrics and I get a demo of Scott. My favorite thing in the world is having piano and Scott singing, but, but without any emotion. Like Scott likes to like, because it's it's my song. He's not gonna. He's just. You know what I mean. He's not gonna you put can his. Say that twice. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I, yes. I appreciate that. He's he, not his, going to interpret it. He's for not interpreting you. it. He's no. just letting me I'm know that this is the how melody where it is. And like, the, yes. And and man, that's the best because then then I I get this and you're playing, um, Scott. You're such a beautiful piano player. I mean, I. Adore it, and I, I wish we could be live. That's the only problem because we should be um, totally recording and playing I together. Know, I know, yeah, we um, will. We now, will do that again. Yeah, and, yeah, and so essentially, you know, we start listening to it. We listen to Scott over and over on the wireless speakers. That I have a uh, dining room that gets great sound. It just all of it bounces around, and and um, the chords come with with the lyrics. And so, you know, I pick up my guitar and I start singing along with Scott. And he also sends a demo without uh, vocals. So once we feel pretty secure in knowing where uh, everything lies in the composition, I can just take that away. And then um, I've been like canoodling with my guitar. I'm not a very good guitar player. So that's, uh, but as long as I, so it's definitely lyric forward. It's about the story it's about the narrative and all my singing is it's like you know that about me right it's yes um, yes of course i i love You're interpreting a storyteller yep and uh so so it's just been wonderful and uh john my husband can play the he has a bit of a stand up bass and he has also electric bass in the house and uh, so he he will okay and I'll, the ukulele I'll, right doesn't yes, he also he play the ukulele, the ukulele yes. as well and so um and and henry wants to do bass, so he can also play the bass. Henry is 14, and he has done piano lessons, but he recently wanted to quit, and that broke okay. my heart. And but he was like, I'm, I don't want to do it anymore, Mom. I don't want to. I, I did. But since then, he has not stopped playing the piano. So that was my. I, I was really worried that he would, and I, I am bummed, and I, but I don't know how to push it too much, right. you know. Right. Sure. And the fact is, he's still composing. He's got a keyboard, and he's actually. Since he quit piano, he's now writing music, which is kind of fun. Maybe it's given him the freedom of like. Um, but back to Heart uh, on My Sleeve, it's just been fun because we're all, Stella's singing at the top of her lungs. It's it's a whole mom thing. It's like a family, you know, dynamic thing as well to include everyone, but also be like, this is my song, girl. Like, <laughs> right. step back. Oh, um, so I know. We had, when we said it to yeah. you, obviously, we thought we were going to come up there and it, 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 we all thought this was gonna, I don't know, start changing sooner than it has. But, um, but the the and I'm obviously referring to the pandemic. But listening to the two demos, like it's been so amazing to, you know, I, I mean, obviously we worked together for I, so long. So. I think I texted Tim that it was like Christmas morning when you sent the first demo because it's like is you know as much as this is like. I was very happy to hear that it brightened your spirits because like we had, <clears throat> this was the first thing that we have written since the beginning of this whole crazy situation that we're like living through. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was like, it was, <clears throat> it came out pretty fully formed, like quickly, 
you know, yeah, and, which like, is writing for you. It was like, okay, like I knew exactly what it needed to be musically. Like Tim's lyric, it was, it was, you know, we've talked a bit on this podcast before too about how it's interesting how some things can come together like so quickly, and some things can be like extremely laborious and just take like weeks take or months to write it, Scott. One session. Wow. An hour, maybe. No. Like way. it was literally like I know exactly what this needs to be, and like, and I know like yeah, like the basis. Of it. it was that quick. And Tim, <clears throat> your lyrics. Where did you always have this in mind, or what? What spawned the? Was it the title re- first, and then from there, or do you? It write was poetry? kind of the title first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of the title first, um, and then I would say it took me three times, but probably over the course of four to six weeks like when i first wrote down a little some notes or a a part of a verse and then i came back to it and then i came back to it and i was like okay and then i sent to scott and sometimes as scott said sometimes i will work on a lyric for two years before i send it to oh and same musically i could tinker over or try a try 10 different things for a a lyric that tim sends me and somehow it just never quite fits but uh but yeah, this was like Shanna talked a little bit about this too when we spoke with Shanna about this dichotomy about sometimes it's just fits neatly in place and sometimes it doesn't. But for me, this song fit like very neatly in place. So, and when you sent that first demo, I was like, yes. I was like, well, yeah, and that yeah. was, That's like I, what I, I, heard. I woke up in the morning, like just be, it, it, there's no pressure, right? That, that it, mm. in a way, it's all like why we're doing it is what's so cool as yes, well. It's like, yeah, yes. we need to do this. This is a, yeah. it's so generous and it's so, right. yes. um, I mean, you guys are generous because you came up with, uh, it, but I, I woke up in the morning and I'd been singing it the night before and we were kind of rehearsing it and stuff. And so I grabbed the three quarter guitar. So I've always learned on a full guitar and my, mm. I can't, my hands are just not strong enough and I'm not very good at guitar playing on steel strings. But when Stella wanted to take guitar lessons, we got a three-quarter guitar hmm. with nylon strings. So much easier to play. And so all of a sudden, I can play chords that I never really felt confident playing hmm. and singing at the same time. Because it's like learning, doing the hard part first, right? I learned on right. the full. And I'm thinking, why didn't I ever get a three-quarter guitar? This is my size guitar for someone that doesn't really play. But I picked that guitar up and... Recorded, put pushed record on my voice memo on my phone. You know, usually it's such this labored thing. I yes, want to have be yes, warmed up. Yeah, yes, and, but I, I, if I would have deleted it had it been terrible. And it's not perfect. Of course, it's not perfect. But it was. I knew. I just wanted to send something back to you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to reciprocate the generosity of your writing and your composing, and no, just so you knew that I was putting. The time in, you know, I and so it was just wonderful because it it came out so easy. Usually, when I'm playing against the piano, I have to try to build vocally, um, and so because I'm, you know, it's a it's a strong. The instrument's hard to kind of compare unless you have a nice mic, you know. When you're so, I'm I always tend to get into my belt range way too early, mm. and then I have nowhere to go. Yeah, but when I so when I was just plucking the guitar, I could be nice and soft with it, and I could be more in my falsetto, and then, and then was able to get into the belt range, you know, towards the end. But anyway, it was just so simple and easy, and it was just like a hey, good morning. But to hear you come back and say, you know, yay, that was it. That this is the whole point, right? Yeah. 
Well, and I think that that's, um, I, I don't know. There's something about what we've been talking about. Like you have to keep doing things that make you happy, that feel yeah. creative and mm-hmm. remind yourself of why you're, why you were interested in, in all of this in the first place. And yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. Like sometimes you see people who are like, I'm done with that. Or I, or I, and, and if if you're an artist you're never done you're you're always going to find an outlet mm-hmm. and i feel like that's i mean we've been looking for i mean that's why we kind of started doing this podcast cuz we're like okay we're in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. we aren't going to be able to do the we were going to try to do this uh, uh sort of major cast recording, recording major major recording session wow. of the of the year after we're like can't do that mm-hmm. um so what what can we do we can do the podcast and then now we can also write a new song. So I'm, I'm really excited for people to hear it and excited to have it out in the world. Cause I think it it's, uh, I like the song a lot and I'm obviously too. like you singing the song, the song. Is, is fucking awesome. Comes to the crazy, the head shaking, needy, must be the laughter makes it flow. Show freely, show freely. It's been some time since I shared my peace, not trying to stop you if you're Uh, I, I thank I, you. I love your music, and I, I hope that someday. It's funny too because it's about the idea of possessing something. I feel like these songs are my songs. Of course, they're your songs, but <laughs> I would love to do an album, right? Yeah. Where, because, yeah. but it's one of those strange things because of uh, they're your songs. So I'm not just. I mean, obviously, we we need to get together and figure it out. But um, I still sing farewell September. Um, so often it's. And I think to do a new arrangement of that, that, you know, and and technology is so different now, like how easy it is to throw yeah. on your voice memos and it's actually yeah. pretty decent. Um, where before half oh, of yeah. the struggle was just recording. I could, yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Know, just the mechanics. <laughs> the mechanics of getting something that you could share with someone mm-hmm. else was so difficult that all of that's kind of lost in time, you know? Totally. Yeah. Okay, so we are, I think, ready, If unless there's any last-minute thoughts, to move on back to our musical discussion. It feels weird a little bit, but I, I think it might be time. Uh, what was your first Broadway musical? I mean, I guess Scott I pointed like- out that because you saw a national tour of... Um, Wait, you saw a national tour of Secret Garden in mm-hmm. Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that counts. But what about what was I the think first? It was, I think it was. Um, God, I think it was honestly a, a Cats. I think it was a. Rendition. You saw Cats? Yeah. <laughs> in New York? Yeah, I don't think I'm it was sorry. the original. I mean, I think it was like the second or the third or the you know or I, I mean whenever I got to New York. Um, the second or the I, third. So but there I, was never been a revival no. of Cats. Had oh, it? Really? You must have seen it. It just literally cats, ran yeah. that yeah. damn long because yeah. Cats it was just oh. there still forever. 
we was still running. I think it had closed by the time I moved to when I moved to New York, but uh but not when you lived here, but right? Like when late, you lived here that summer, I think it, ran it was to still like here. Late nineties. Well, but I just saw it with my daughter. That wasn't my first time, but but hmm. Stella and I went to see Cats recently, so it did have a revival. But I thought it. I thought what it, had it did? Okay. Like briefly, oh. recently. Yeah, and that oh. one was excellent. It was excellent. We, oh. I, I was, you know, I. I you know, whatever. But well, yeah, the one I that. saw originally, I, did I didn't like. Mm. I didn't understand. Okay. Um, I think, and I, I've seen Phantom and Lion King, but I don't okay. really remember. And I love Lion King. I mean, it Ugh. was trans. I was, you know, crying and. Well, I'm sure Tim we cried. listened to Lion King in at OU because that was when the when the show opened, and I had that yeah. CD, and I listened to it oh. all the time. He lives in you. Oh, I'm sure that so we beautiful. were. Probably really fucked up and listened to that song on repeat on yes. my compact disc player. Um, what about this? Is another random question. And do you have a Broadway boyfriend? Hmm. Does that mean the actor, or do you mean you mean the character? The act, an actor. An yeah. actor. Is there, is there an sort actor of that you've seen that you were just like, with. oh my god, like I am like salivating actor. all over that. Man, no. I mean, no. I, I I was gonna say he's not a theater. I I, I was gonna say Christian Bale, but <laughs> he's not a he's not a theater actor. But that was something I, I mean, was like I was like we are definitely gonna run into each other, and um, you know, sparks are gonna fly. A Hollywood boyfriend. All right, a Hollywood, Hollywood boyfriend. boyfriend. But I That's don't right. think um I had one for um theater. I mean, I had a crush on Dallas Roberts when we were working together, but. That, okay. I don't think that counts. I didn't see a play and think, oh, I need to be. Right, um, right. You know. Okay. Okay. So tell us um, what is a musical? Well, tell us, would you say that you hate this musical or would you say that you were just like, is it like a level of disgust like um, mm. I have for Gypsy? Or that I uh, have for Evita? Ooh. Or that he has for Evita, or is it like? Eh. I think it's kind of a level of disgust. Okay, I mean, I, I like that. Yeah, because I <laughs> I, I went to Toronto. Uh, that was where we would go drive our car eight hours from Ohio. That was our like Broadway. One time we saw the, I saw Phantom of the Opera there twice right. instead of going to New York City. I'm not sure how all that happened, but maybe my music teacher liked to go to Canada. Um, but I saw this particular musical there. And it was awful. And to go as a as a person, you know, traveling so far yeah. to another country in my mind. I mean, it was another country, but I mean that that uh, length. And to think I'm going to see something like the Phantom of the Opera, and then to see this was a, about as um, big of a letdown as could be. So okay. I would say despise. <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to hear it. what is I it. I hope I know it. I can't imagine I don't. But... Aspects of love. Oh, you saw <laughs> aspects of love. That is impressive. And okay, so that speaking of, um, I mentioned in my uh, in episode one that I auditioned for the Cincinnati Conservatory. Yeah, yeah. With love changes, love everything. love changes everything, which is an every you know, and and not only that, but I sang it for many <laughs> weddings that oh. are no longer 
intact. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> like that is the harbinger of doom. I mean, <laughs> Love changes everything. I've at least five weddings. Like my brother's first wedding when he was 19. Yeah. Uh, that no longer exists. Everyone's happy. Everyone's moved on. Yeah. I think they're remarried and all. Yes. And, and But so many weddings did I sing that song. And then I used it as my audition piece. Um and I did look it up. It was from 1990 was when it mm-hmm. opened on Broadway. Started wow. in London. Oh, did it? I didn't even know that it actually opened on Broadway ever. 377 performances. Wow. It was it was the transfer from the West End by directed okay. by Trevor Nunn. Um, was Michael Ball in the Broadway version? Because wasn't he the I one who sang so. that in the West End? The, yeah, I think the that's actor. the recording. Yeah. Yep, yep, mm. yep. And... The version I saw, because it was, quote, the perhaps the greatest flop of Broadway history. <laughs> so I wasn't wrong to put this what? on my dislike. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's just. I terrible. don't think I've ever met anyone that saw a stage production of Aspects of Love. It lost its entire $8 million investment oh my on God. Broadway. Wow. Wow. When it closed. And the version, it said there was a chamber version okay. in Canada in 1991. Yeah. So that must That's have been the one I saw, saw okay. which that might explain why I thought, I was like, what is happening? A chamber version means yeah. like there was barely Small. a set. Yeah, It was like a review. I, yeah. when, and, and so... You can imagine someone like me that thinks Phantom of the Opera. Right. This big grandeur. Grand. And, and, and the song. Full orchestra. Love changes everything. Yeah, yeah. Full orchestra, costumes, set changes. And it's, you know, two people about an affair. You know, it, it, the, the story is uh, from a book about an actress who has, you know, I don't know, maybe a threesome with someone. I mean, it's so uninteresting, especially for a young yeah, girl. I was, who... was going to ask if, like, do you remember what it's even about? I know it was like a really, like, thin so plot. So disappointed. But... It's so disappointing. And I recently saw with the children, we got free tickets on Play by Play before COVID shut everything mm. down. I think it was to the Paper Mill Playhouse. Okay. In, and it was a, a Andrew Lloyd Webber review. Oh. oh, yes. I remember you ta- telling me about Where this. Where he yeah. like, is interviewed and, yeah. you know, and, and they did all of the, the favorites, like from song and dance and, okay. and love changes everything. I think it started the show. And just realizing with that, it was terrible. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> the guy that played, because I loved, loved Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Yeah, so I did and, a whole oh, I loved, on this I mean, you know, podcast. And so the man does. that could do that and could yeah. do Phantom and mm-hmm. um, realizing all the amazing flops that also <laughs> went were in there was, sh- was truly shocking. Shocking. Yeah. And who is the, oh my God, Judas? The, the the guy that was in the review playing this for the Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. um, he couldn't hit the high notes. I mean, it, it was like, it was torture. Because this, is the pa- old... this is the thing at Paper Mill, the Yeah, review. this was recent. And it was just, even the children were like, I mean, we liked going to the theater. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. We, and, and they really appreciate it because musically we can talk about, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just good or bad. We actually talk about uh, the history. And we like getting, it was fun to go and. But they were both like, "Whoa! Like, what? What was? What was happening there? Like, they really couldn't find someone, anyone <laughs> that can actually hit the notes. I mean, oh granted, he probably was just like had, had a cold or something. But to hear those 
70s rock musical songs that without nailing it was sad. They probably figured they would sell the tickets regardless because it yep. was Andrew Lloyd Webber. So to hell with casting. Right. <laughs> I remember Aspects of Love. Like I think David and Scott used to sing songs from Aspects of Love. Maybe they sang Love Changes. Well, I think everything. there's like I've, a they song. absolutely sang that only but. song. <laughs> I There's don't. that song and then like one other like 11th she hour sings number. Anything But Lonely? Yes. The anything But Lonely. I don't know. That's not quite anything it. Anything but. but Only Me? Yes. It's just yes. so lame. Anything But Lonely. Anything But Passing I think those are like the only two things that could be construed as like uh, memorable songs from that score. I feel like I know um, Love Changes Everything because of Marin Maisie singing it in Broadway's Leading Ladies. Broadway's Leading Ladies, yes. Marin Maisie singing. You know, Marin Maisie. say Maisie I don't know why I don't know, but they, uh, well, yeah. yeah and I mean there are so many people that can rock it's a you know a beautiful song and yeah, that, it is and, a beautiful that song. and you hear a recording of that and you're thinking wow this is this is gonna be great musical turns out it was perhaps the greatest flop of Broadway history that was so. during and, and yet I don't know if you realize this I'm looking on uh, Wikipedia right yeah. now it was nominated yeah. for one two three four five six Tony's. What? That should tell it was you one something, of the bi- children. Th- exactly. It's this is the thing that makes me crazy about awards. Like, this especially, is why I f- especially say Tony's. Feel like awards are utterly meaningless. Oh please! I mean, <laughs> yes. let's talk about this. When um, Cincinnati Playhouse mm. won a Tony Award for their Sondheim um, company, they okay. they won um, a an award and. That's when you realize, when I was talking to Ed Stern, who's now since passed away, but during that time, you know, how you have to pay to perform. So they chose to do the solo because it was $40,000 for the Playhouse to perform on, because they were nominated, but they have to pay. What? And then you have to- Yes. Oh, Yes. And you Are have you to pay s- for all the tickets. So when you see a qui- a chorus number, when Tony Awards, that's advertisement. Yeah. So when you see a big number on Macy's Day Parade yeah. or the Tony Awards, they have paid for every single human being to go up on that. So if they choose, like on Oklahoma, if they choose yeah. to do a solo or a duet and you think, why are they choosing this song? That's because they have to pay for each performer. Yeah. So a big choir number could be $200,000. Exorbitantly expensive, prohibitively wow. expensive. I mean, that makes sense and is also like completely 
really depressing. Depressing and ridiculous. Yeah. I think if we keep it into perspective, <laughs> that's what I remember being angry, you know, in, in, in college when everyone was sitting around watching the Academy Awards. And I was like, who cares? Like, who, yeah. I'm, like I'm a, you know, I don't, I don't need to watch other people doing what I want to be doing. You know, we need to just do it. Um, or the Tony Awards or, um, I, you know, I think it's, it's for other people. It's not for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> to, right. To, it's, it's for it's for you know the the mass. Oh, but even like I don't know this, this this whole like affinity and pursuit of awards just it's so far from my like reasons to do things. It just it seems so foreign to me. Even like mm -hmm. the like couple like tchotchke local award show things that like tim and i have gone to and like people going up there and like accepting it's these so things bizarre. as if they're the oscars so that i just feel like i'm hovering over my body my body like where am like who are these people like th these this person could not be further from me in right, terms of right, like how right. i'm thinking of this right yeah. and, and and on a on a different note when uh actress was nominated for why I just had a total blank of um, oh my goodness it's a, okay I should I'm, I'm gonna stop um, I, I I can't think of the name but it's what it's called it's a wonderful award <laughs> that's how little you cared about it but that's how little I, you cared oh my gosh it, it was it's, it, but but like um it was awesome because I when I think about it I'm just gonna keep it but it, it's a pretty big deal I mean um, yeah. You know, Tilda Swinton was there. Uh, J Scarlett Johansson, I think, announced my award, and oh. I don't. I didn't even remember. My my sister said, um, "Who who gave your? You know, who? We didn't win, uh, but it was for documentary, which yeah. made me very proud. And I was sitting with Academy Award winning documentary filmmakers in the back, um, and Amy Ryan was there for Birdman because it was it was fiction and nonfiction. I see in in the city, and it was a a big one that I can't think of. This is this is so me right now. This is I I swear I do it just to like keep myself. But at that time that felt really good yeah. because I was there representing my work up against uh, on the right. red carpet for sure with Birdman. I yeah, mean I was right. and I think you know my sister was like, "Oh my gosh, I saw your interview. Like they actually like pushed someone out so they could get to you." And um Michael Keaton was, uh, you know, I was standing right next to him and I saw an Amy from Ryan from The Wire is why I was bringing her name up, but who was there for Birdman. I was kind of like, oh, hi, like we worked together before. Um, and that felt super good because, you know, when you're, when you're, when your work, if your work gets, you know, promoted up with these people that actually care, like when I was right, walking in right. with John Hamm and I had just seen him like the night before at um, the opening night of Elephant Man because I got invited to go to the Elephant Man uh, with Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone was in the audience with us. And I sat next to the woman from Vogue. Um, Anna Wintour? Anna Wintour. You sat next to Anna And I was like Wintour. flirting. Yeah, flirting with her partner. Um, and it was just, you know, like, you know, hobnobbing with all these people. And then, then the next day we go to this award ceremony. 
which I can't remember what it is. Gotham, the Gotham Awards. Oh, and yes. I knew it was okay. a G, but I couldn't think of it right. Okay. Um, the Gotham Awards in New York City. And then I walking in with John Hamm, and I was like, I just saw you yesterday at Elephant Man. And he was like, oh, yes. And, you know, ironically, I met Harvey Weinstein. Oh, my God. At that event. And was trying to hobnob with him. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> well, that's what I was told to do. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because that's what I was... I actually had a conversation with... When Robert often apologizes to me, Robert Green, the director of Actress, he would say, listen, you know, you're not getting any money for this, and I know there's no... And, and you're putting yourself out there, and there's a lot of risk. And if, if you want to find success, like, that's on you. Like, this is a vehicle, Okay. But now you've got to go and take that opportunity. And if it doesn't go anywhere, that's on you, kind of. Right. And I'm like, oh, where should it have gone? Like, it got me in a room with Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> you oh. know what I mean? And, yeah. and it, got me, it got me meeting with these high-end agents. I mean, I got a feature in the New York Times. Right. Uh, people were, I got, and they were assholes. I'm sure there are mm. great ones. I'm, I just have never experienced that. I've mm. had very terrible experiences. And I've never gotten work through. I've had agents over the years. Right, but they and they've always do the work. I get my work and then they'll take a 10%. Yep. And yep. so I'm like, what is oh the my point? God. And I, I don't, it doesn't fuel me. I would rather do this collaboration with mm-hmm. you all, honestly. It I mean, I think me. that's, and I, I think that's a great way. That's a, that's a great way to end this conversation because it's so like yeah you you have found all of this stuff or this stuff has found you but it hasn't it's been because of you right you Completely. know you have driven yeah. it you have discovered it or people have discovered you as you as being mm-hmm. you and you're like kind of like you said you're being authentic yeah, your authenticity exactly, exactly. or exactly. or not or whatever right. that whatever the hell that is right <laughs> right um, right another fun one i know we're supposed to be ending but diplo i did a diplo musical oh yeah yeah, yeah a yeah, musical yeah. music video i'm music so sorry. video um but that was because we went to audra's house remember what? yes this is how and just audra's i was like i got to hear this yeah audra What's her last name now? Uh, uh, Jones. Well, okay, but okay. Yeah. Uh, Robertson. Went, okay. Yeah, Audrey yeah, yeah. Robertson I was, Jones. I was going to call her by her, her, uh, not her maiden name, so I didn't want to mess that up. But Audra invited us. It was a birthday party, or maybe it was her baby shower. I'm not. I sure, think it was her baby shower. I've been there several times, you know, to her home, and the video that we did. By the way, you never mentioned that, but that's the song. <gasps> oh your yeah, video that's true. That I worked with her yep. husband on love, and started talking to a woman named Erica. She loved The Wire. Uh, we've remained friends ever since. And um, But she, I don't know, she had a friend that was working on this Diplo video. And within a week, she texted me because I think we swapped numbers. She was fun, amazing woman. And I since have seen her at documentary film festivals all over. But at that time, she was just a fan of The Wire. And she texted me and said, my friends are doing a video. Can I put them in touch with you? And I ended up like negotiating. At this point, we were going to Vermont. I had a trip. It was, I didn't know. It could have been crap. Honestly, I didn't know what it was for. Right. And I wasn't going to, I knew I wasn't going to do it for free. And I just said things. I said, I would love to do it. I, of course, I want to be a part of it, but I'm not going to wear my own clothes. I don't know what this is. If this is, hmm. you know, I don't know how. And I, so I kind of 
gave demands, but I didn't mean to. I was just saying, like, I, you know, I don't want to wear my own clothes and I don't want to do my own makeup. I'm terrible at that. And I ended up seeing the character description and it said like six foot blonde. The, <laughs> the, what they were looking for was like a power broker. Um, it's just so exactly the point of like you would never be – I would right. never be what they were looking yeah. for. Yeah. Right. Had they not kind of been in a bind and kind of asked a friend and they're like, wait, she's from The Wire. She was an attorney. Oh, wait, Teresa D'Agostino? Hot. She's hot. But if you met me right now, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, hot woman. Like she, And it said like, like domineering, six foot blonde. I think that's what, and I couldn't believe it that, that I would never have, my agent would have never would, yeah right and they wouldn't have submitted to you ever yeah and i was in in vermont with chris and we're like at his parents house and i was like well i need to get paid you know obviously and i i just don't want to wear my own clothes and 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 they said okay that's all fine and we just kind of went back and forth and finally we ended up meeting at, at chris's apartment on the upper west side they brought the car this that that we ended up shooting the video in it's awesome it's called revolution yeah. and it's part of this you know I'm like, oh, did a Diplo video. Like, what are you talking about? I got paid really well. And they came over. I never met the people before. A young woman. She was so sweet. She brought all these uh, bags of Banana Republic with the tag still on it. Brand new suits. And we tried them on. They came to me in the apartment. I didn't even have to like. And oh, my God. Makeup, sounds like a great Makeup gig. artist came. Uh, they did me up. And we got in this black car of like a fancy whatever, like Escalade or something, because that was part of the, right. like, I have a driver, my character did. And the director was in the back, and they just said, hi, you know, but we're going to film you the entire way to Williamsburg, where you're going to your loft, where you live, because I was a... And we did. They just filmed me looking out the window. It's a music video. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I, I I just, like, looked around, pouted a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got, how long, got how to long was the shoot? <laughs> it was one day. Okay, uh, it's uh, great. Just, you have, have you have to seen it? I like. We I just yeah, we I just watched it a couple it. of weeks ago. We just and, watched it, wow. and it's like it's a bunch of other stuff. Like I'm a very small part of it, so it's not. I'm but it, but the idea that that I don't do much at all. Like I'm not pursuing. I don't have an agent. I'm not <laughs> right. pounding the pavement and like yeah. the wire. Here you are, actress in a fucking yeah. Diplo yeah. video. So Yeah. I, I, I couldn't have asked for more. And they like said, do you want to drink real wine? Yes, I'll drink real wine. I'm drinking <laughs> wine on my loft. And they uh, dropped me back off at the house in the car and I was done. And now oh I can God. be like, you know, just say that, check it off the list. Oh, so wow. I'm very proud of those wow. things. Well, I can't wait. I don't know how I haven't, Amazing. but I can't yeah. wait to. Well, I don't uh, tell people. I hadn't either. I hadn't either. I have <laughs> yeah. to watch Listen Up Philip yeah. too. I still haven't watched Listen Up Philip. I mean, I can't believe I haven't watched that. I, I should. I, yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't say that you've actually been in two music videos because you were in uh, Evolution. Yes. Oh yes, our, wait, our how, one and only music wait, video. Revolution and evolution. Evolution. What are we even talking about right oh, now? Oh my god! Ding oh, my ding god. ding. 
And I did watch that recently, and I got very teary-eyed. <sighs> and it was really nice to yeah. see everyone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, It's a whole different thing now, but... Um, Brandy, thank you so thank you. much so for doing much. this. I'm, it has been so listening. lovely to talk to you all afternoon. And um, yeah, I'm. Uh, we're, we're going to play this song. We're going to uh, get these episodes out. And um, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Much love. Thank you. Much love. Love you. There is no love.